0: Okay, well, great to see you out this morning, and boy, I love the fact that I have a a microphone first service, (laughs) and I had this on, and I had it turned on, uh, but we didn't know that the, the receiver box was unplugged for it, and so I kept saying, can you turn me up just a little bit, and then I thought it was actually on, of like asking people, Robert, can you hear me, and Ro, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. So I thought the whole message that that, uh, my microphone was actually working, it was nothing. They told me at the end, you didn't even have a microphone. And uh, so it worked out, but now my throat's just a little bit lagging. So you guys hang with me through this second service. We're going to have a great time. It's the final Sunday of our series on necessary things. And for me, it's been great to go back to the basics of our faith. And to be reminded that without any one of these doctrines, we no longer have a viable Christianity. Uh, We've addressed things like the deity of Christ, the death of Christ, the bodily resurrection, and the second coming. And I've thoroughly enjoyed this series so far. I hope you have too. Next Sunday, Mother's Day. If your mom's in the area, please invite her to come with you so that we can honor her. And also, Pastor Cole mentioned it's Baptism Sunday. Uh, Just looked at the list. And I had one person talk to me after the morning service, so we're up to nine for baptism Sunday next Sunday. And if you would like to be baptized, make sure you talk to us. We'd love for you to take that next step uh, of obedience to follow Jesus. And of course, baptism is a public identification of your faith. It is the first step of obedience for somebody who has already believed. And we'd love to speak to you about that today after the service. Uh, Let's go towards 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's such a pleasure to see you out for second service today. Uh, We had a great time in the first hour, and my wife told me that we're a little down today in second service because some of our people were at the Kentucky Derby yesterday. Can you imagine this? Somebody from second service was at the Kentucky Derby yesterday, and she was showing me pictures of, uh, which girl was it? Leah May, in her hat at the Kentucky Derby, and everybody thought she was a celebrity because her hat was so nice. And so all these rich people and celebrities wanted their pictures with her. And so she had this whole photo book. uh, And of course, if you know anything about the Kentucky Derby yesterday, how many of you already know something about it? The first time in the history of the Kentucky Derby that the winning horse did not win because they cast the horse out and said, you, you cheated, and I, I, what I asked Amy yesterday is, how in the world did the horse know the rules, <laughs> right? How does the horse know that you're not, you can't, on a muddy track, you can't all of a sudden move over a foot and a half on accident and then move back to where you were? I don't know. Read up on it yourself. I can't tell the story today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to get started in this message about the inspiration of the scriptures and i want you to think about some things today why did god give us the bible how did he give it to us and how have his words been preserved through the generations Uh, can we know that our bible is god's word those are all important questions and though we don't have time to get into deep conversations on every one of those topics today i would invite you to cover section six Uh, in your small group to get the rest of the information there are two stories that we tell on the small group video that you don't want to miss many people uh, throughout the centuries have given their lives as martyrs to preserve and translate the scriptures and it doesn't really seem that way today in America when we have the Bible all over the place uh, apps on our phones and tablets but there was a time when the scriptures were very exclusive when they were only found in fragments, when they were only found in ancient languages, uh, when copies were exceedingly rare, when common people, quote unquote, weren't allowed to even look at a Bible for themselves. In fact, if it were 1,500 right now, the people right here would have never once read even one scripture for themselves. The Bible was only for the clergy, and it was chained to the desk of the church it was one for each church sometimes many times there were none uh, and that was uh, that wasn't uh, anything but on purpose uh, they didn't want the common people to have the scriptures there is no irony in the fact that this period of time was also called the dark ages uh, the scripture contains light for the world and you take the scriptures out of any culture you will find abundant darkness. You introduce them to a dark culture, and light will spring forth. Europe right now is going dark because they've booted the scriptures out. The United States is headed toward darkness now, over the decades, these last decades, as we've taken the scriptures out. Uh, you go, though, to, to countries in Africa uh, or in the Philippines. Where they're inviting people to come in and teach and preach the scriptures in the public schools. And you see nations that are blossoming. Uh, Culture is changing. Light is spreading. And God is on the move. And and so uh, 2 Timothy 3 gives us the basis for all this. And I want to read it. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now Paul's writing this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he reminds this young man that He has been blessed to have grown up being aware of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, In this time period, it was extremely rare for somebody to grow up knowing something about the Scriptures. Did you know that even in our time period, that a huge percentage of people who are under 18 have never once read the Scriptures for themselves? Uh, It's exceedingly rare. It is a blessing to be raised with the Scriptures. Many people who are raised with the Scriptures Don't understand how blessed they are until later down the road. And then they're like, whoa, I wish I would have uh, kind of taken more advantage of that. But the scriptures were enough to give him knowledge of salvation. Uh, Not the scriptures we had. He had the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. And then Paul uses this word in verse 16. All scriptures given by inspiration. Now, this is an important word because it's only used one time in the entire Bible. And the Greek word is the word Theonustos. In Greek, theo is God, and neustos nous- is P-N-E-U-S-T-O-S. Okay, like you think of some words that start with P-N. Can you think of one? Pneumonia? Pneumatic. 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 Where are you coming from, mister? That's a big word. Pneumatic? Wow. Can anybody think of another P-N word? That's yeah, good. It's phenomenon. I like that. I'm going with it. I'm going with it. That's good. Uh, so, so that root is rarely used in English, right? Uh, but that word, uh, theonustos literally means God breathed. God breathed. And this word is the root of inspiration. That's the first part of your message today. You can follow along in your bulletin if you like the root of inspiration. How is it possible, how could it be that 40 human writers, most of whom never met one another in their entire lives, put on paper over a period of 1,600 years a compilation of 66 separate books that all come into one. They agree in truth and purpose. The only way that can happen is if there was one original, perfect author who breathed his words into them. The transmission of the scriptures, how did it take place? Second Peter says it this way, knowing this first, that no scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And when we think of the scriptures, we know the names of some of the human authors, guys like Moses and David, Daniel, Matthew, Peter, Paul, and others. Let me illustrate for you how God could use different people with different personalities from different time periods to accomplish the work of scripture transmission. Uh, I'm going to show you some different instruments, okay, up on the screen. And yeah, let's have a little quiz. Let's see if you know them. So once you know what it is, just shout it out. All right, Jeopardy music, here we go. Trumpet, that's an easy one. You guys got that one. Next one. Trombone, way to go. Anybody play the trombone? Okay, a couple people do we need to get you up here playing the trombone. All right, what's the next one? Flute. How many play the flute? Any flautists in here? Flautists. All right. Next one. That's a clarinet. Any clarinet players? Okay. Marilyn played clarinet? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Next one. That's the saxophone. Which saxophone is that? That's the alto sax. Is that tenor? Alto? I don't know. I think it's alto. What's the next one? That's an oboe. Yeah. How many of you don't know what an oboe is? Okay. That's okay. Next one. Yeah, that's the tuba. Tuba. It's called some other names as well. How about this next one? See if you play this. Kazoo. How many ever play the kazoo? Oh, yeah. Everybody's played the kazoo. Now we're talking. How about this next one? That's a harmonica, yeah. So these are varied instruments. Now, uh, some of them make brassy sounds. Some of them are high pitched. Some are low pitched. Some are metal. Some are wood. Some are tiny. Some are big. But every single one of the instruments we showed you has something in common. And maybe you know what it is. They all have something in common. What do you think it is? They all require breath. They all require breath, air, wind, whatever you want to call it. These instruments cannot be played without breath. If no breath goes through them, they're silent. They may be extremely beautiful, but they make no sound without breath. By the way, where does breath come from? Have you ever thought about that? Genesis 2-7 says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed to his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We have the breath of life because God gave it to us. So every human instrument is breathing God-given breath, and you're breathing God-given breath right now, when you stop breathing God-given breath, well, we don't really have to go there, do we? You guys have this figured out uh, when we stop. That means that every person, this is what's ironic, every person, even the people who don't regard God as the creator, have been given breath by God. Even the people who use their breath to mock God, to question God, and to hate God. So how did the cast of Bible authors transmit the scriptures? They did it by the breath of God. Just like the instruments couldn't have played without breath, that breath, in scriptural terms, is called inspiration. Now, in your small groups, you'll also be talking about preservation. Preservation means that the same God who breathed his words through human instruments has been able to keep his words pure since, okay? Since those things were put on paper, God promised that he would preserve his words. Listen to this from Psalm 12. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So we've got inspiration. We've got preservation. Uh, You'll also learn about illumination, how God shines a light on his word for us to understand it. And you'll learn a few things about translation. Uh, How did the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament get into Latin and then German and then English? And are all English translations the same? Quick answer is no. But you can deal with that later. And we'll talk about uh, this next important term. This term is called revelation. In your notes, it's the revelation through inspiration. Now, revelation, when you hear the word, it always sounds like this big, uh, scholastic, mysterious word. But it really just means to disclose an unknown fact or to uncover a truth, right? Uh, Like there are things about you people out here that other people don't know. And when you tell somebody about something about yourself, that's just a revelation. That's you letting them know, What's important to you? And I have previously given a revelation to churchgoers about my favorite ice cream. Okay, so let's see if anybody remembers that revelation. My favorite ice cream is oh, you guys forgot the first word. <clears throat> the first word is Briars. First word's briars, okay? If you didn't have that as the first word, you didn't get the full revelation. You only got half the revelation. Okay? It's Breyer's mint chocolate chip. You got to have the right thing, right? So, uh, so that, that's a revelation about me. Now, it's not mysterious in any way. And it, sometimes we make the revelation of God too mysterious. Uh, let's talk about these basics, these four types of revelation that are given from God to humanity. The first one is revelation through creation. Okay, so revelation through creation. God uh, breathed these words through David. Listen to this. This is from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Isn't that true? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. Now listen to this. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Everybody can see God through creation. And and God breathed these words to Paul in the New Testament, Romans 1. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." What's that mean? It means no human being on planet Earth who has grown to intellectual and observational capability has any excuse not to recognize the creator through his creation. So there's revelation through creation. Then there's revelation through conscience. Through conscience. That's that hard word to spell. Conscience. C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-C. Built into every person is a moral conscience okay how many understand that trees don't have conscience okay beetles don't have conscience Uh, crickets don't have conscience snakes don't have conscience Uh, bats don't have conscience but we do all of us do and uh, if you go deep into the jungles of South America uh, the Amazon basin or you go to the forested hills of New Guinea And you find an indigenous tribe that has never been exposed to the outside world. And here's what you find. Every single one of those tribes already has some system of morality. They've already got some system of morality. Why? Because it was built into their souls. Now, God breathed these words to Paul in Romans. He said, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they don't have the scriptures, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. And so there's revelation through conscience. Then there's revelation through Christ. We've seen in recent weeks the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus are the gospel message. They were the gospel message before the scriptures were ever printed in the New Testament. God revealed his love to humanity through the sacrifice of Jesus. God revealed his intentions toward us through Jesus. But then there's this fourth type of revelation. This is the one we're talking about today. Revelation through completed scripture. Through completed scripture. The scriptures are the special revelation of God. And through them, we can read his record of truth for us. It's interesting that the scriptures are the final revelation that God's given. And uh, the scriptures uh, include for us the previous three. You know, we find out in the very first verse of the scripture about general revelation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right? That's right there. Creation is a witness to us. Uh, then in the Garden of Eden, we see conscience. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit. And what do they do next? They hide themselves. Why do they hide? Because they had a built-in system of revelation known as conscience. You have the same system in you. Immediately after Adam and Eve sinned against God, God revealed that there'd be a way back to him. So in the first few chapters of the scriptures, God's special finished revelation We're reminded of the other types of revelation. Now, in your small group study, you're going to discover why the scriptures were finished once the book of Revelation was written. God has not added to and will not add to the scriptures. They're finished. And anyone who says that more scripture has come on the scene since God breathed the words of Revelation to John has been assured some special things by God himself. And when I say special things, I'm referring to, and I quote, the plagues that are written in this book. Sounds pretty serious. And his name taken out of the book of life. That sounds really serious. Because the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, short story, don't add to God's word. And don't take away from it. Uh, So far we talked about the root of inspiration. The scriptures were God breathed through human instruments. They've been preserved and translated. They're God's special revelation to mankind. Now everything we covered so far is crucial for us to understand. If we want to get to these next two parts. And this is really where we want to get to this morning. So hang with me. You're doing so well. And let's talk about this third part. The reason for inspiration. The reason for inspiration. Why did God go to the trouble of putting his pure words into human language and then into our own common language? Uh, there is no better possible way to explain this than Jesus' closest earthly friend did. These are the words that God breathed through John. Listen to them. this. is so powerful. But these are written, the scriptures. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through his name. Folks, the Bible is God's love story to you. It talks about God's original creation of the universe, including his most special creations, humans. And it tells us how humans were made to glorify God but they still had a choice in the matter, and they chose poorly again, and again, and again. And we continue to choose poorly. Now, this story of the Bible then tells us uh, how God introduced the path back to himself through the descendants of Seth, Adam's third son. That line that went through Noah, and, and then through Abraham, whose family became known as the Israelites. And actually, if you think about this, from Genesis 12 all the way to the end of the Old Testament, the end of Malachi, the entire narrative deals with one family and their interactions with God. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness. They received the God-imprinted law through Moses. Why was the law given? The law wasn't given to save humanity from their sins. It was given to remind us that we're guilty And we can't save ourselves. The law couldn't redeem any person from his sins or bring any person closer to God. It was there to provide some guidelines for government, and it was there to show us our extreme guilt, along with our helplessness to do anything about it. Well, eventually, the lineage of Christ went through David, and then it ended up in the sleepy town of Bethlehem, where a woman named Mary miraculously had a child when she was still a virgin. By the way, if you ever read the genealogy in Matthew 1, you will find some very interesting characters along the way. See, God has always been a God of redemption. He's always been able to redeem people and things that no one else would ever want. Could I tell you that God knows the very worst things about you, and he loves you anyway? God knows me with no mask. He knows the very depths of my heart, and yet he still loves me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. In that lineage of Jesus is a woman named Tamar. Tamar had twin sons by her own father-in-law, which was culturally taboo even back in the day. Uh, Then there's a woman in the genealogy named Rahab, former occupation, harlot, prostitute. Following that, we have Ruth, who grew up in a pagan culture, but was redeemed by marrying a Jew named Boaz. Last but not least, there's Bathsheba, known in the genealogy as wife of Uriah, with whom David had committed adultery before having her husband killed. And yes, her son Solomon was in the lineage of Messiah. You say, man, it sounds like the people in the Bible had some issues. Yes, they did. That's one of the ways we know Scripture's inspired is that God puts the full stories in. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's a good movie, too. None of these people would have ever told the whole story on themselves, kind of like us, right? Uh, We don't ever get on social media and say, you know what, I just thought about spraying my neighbor's yard with Roundup because I'm sick of his weeds. (laughs) We don't say that on social media. That would just make us look bad. We don't ever say, oh, seven-year-olds, can they please not be any more seven-year-olds at my house? How many have a seven-year-old? 7 right, seven-year-old's are okay, right? No. She's like, no. <laughs> I won't tell you who just did that. See, it shows that she, too, has problems in her heart, just like the rest <laughs> of us. If, if the real you and the real me were exposed to everybody in this room, you know what we'd find out? None of us are very pretty looking. We got some massive problems if the whole story was written on us you know we find out we sure need redemption and restoration we are people living in a different place in a different time but we got the same issues as they had and that's why god breathed his words for us to read so we can know that his intentions and plans for us are good but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. God breathed his words for us. It's the reason for inspiration. But then let's talk about the results of inspiration. Now that God's words have been so carefully recorded and preserved for us, how are we supposed to use them? And I want to go back to our original passage it's 2 Timothy to find the answer. Listen to this again. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I love verse 17 because God wants every single one of us to mature. He wants us to grow up. That's what that word perfect means. He wants us to keep moving to becoming like Christ. And every time we see the depths of how horrible we are, he wants to shape us toward Jesus. God wants to work in us through his words so that we too can be instruments to do his works. We are made to serve God by serving others. And, and God invites every single one of us to come to him just as we are. But then his word begins to change us to make us more like Jesus. And yes, we come to God just as we are, but we leave that interaction changed. Not changed to the rules of a church. Not changed to the preferences of a pastor. Not changed to the conformity of a culture. Not changed to the wishes of a parent but changed to the image of the Son of God. And God uses the scriptures to do that in four specific ways. So look at it again. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, profitable for four things. Doctrine. Doctrine is simply this, knowing what is right. That's how simple it is. Doctrine, knowing what's right. Doctrine sounds like a stuffy Dictionary word that you have to look up. Doctrine is just knowing what's right. Okay, uh, The proverb says, I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. What's that mean? It means I told you what's right. Make sure you do it. Reproof, that's knowing what's not right. Okay, uh, We learned when I was a kid, uh, there was even a song about it that we learned in Sunday school from Proverbs chapter 1. Verse number 10, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And we did a little song, consent thou not, consent thou not. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not, consent thou not. We need a drummer on that song. Consent thou not. It's just kind of. Um, but, but the whole deal about reproof is knowing what's not right. Correction is knowing how to get it right. So when you did mess it up, how do you get it right? I love that the answer comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we've got instruction, and that's knowing how to keep it right. And you know the best way to keep things right? Have a reset button in your life every single day. And that reset button, you push it when you walk with God. If you don't walk with God two days in a row, you're going to end up further off the path than you wanted to be. And if you don't walk with God two weeks or two months in a row, you're going to end up so far off the path that you might not know how to get back to it. And so there's a reset button, and that reset button is to go to God and say, God, I want a right relationship with you today. I want to walk with you today. So God has given us his words for our learning and for our growing. Now, you could get a Bible and you could read any of it and it could help your life, right? But I'm going to caution you, uh, even though all the words of God are equal in inspiration, they're all God-breathed, they're not all equal in application. We have to know some things about the time period and the context. We need to know who the words were originally written for. Okay, we don't just open our Bible and go, and Judas went out and hanged himself. Jesus said, go and do thou likewise. What? That sounds like a pretty crazy application, doesn't it? That's not how you read the Bible, by the way, okay? you got to know what the context is. you got to understand some things about who it's written for. The Old Testament is fully inspired. It's great for inspiration, but not always application. And I want to warn you, don't do all the things that the Old Testament tells you to do just because somebody in the Old Testament tells you to do it, or even because they did it themselves, That could get you arrested (laughs) quickly. Yes, the Old Testament is fully inspired, but it holds the story of an ancient people struggling to survive in a world where food was scarce, where enemies weren't social media haters. They were actual tribes with swords. And where death was always one minor infection or one bad meat episode away. That's why God told the Jews not to eat pork. Not because he hated pork and he was mad at the pork and he created them. Uh, It's because he didn't want his people to die from food poisoning. And so the promises found in the Old Testament are usually not your promises. Your promises are better. Your promises are much better your New Testament promises are unconditional grace promises. And everything promised between the books of Exodus and Malachi is promised within the context of a covenant between God and a nation. I'll give you a, for instance, uh, there's a verse that's often used in graduation cards. It's from Jeremiah 29. And it says that God has good plans for his children. And, and yes, uh, God has promised that he has. Good thoughts toward the people of Israel, and he promised that he had good plans for them, and that those particular plans would be accomplished after 70 years of waiting. So, when that graduate turns 88, happy day for sure! Now, God's plans are going to work in your life. I'm not trying to create a door of doubt in your life about the inspiration of the scriptures, they're equally inspired but they can't be equally applied. And that's why I always recommend that people who have never really read the Bible much should start not in the Jewish scriptures, but in the New Testament. I always recommend that you read the Gospel of John, and then you read the Gospel of John, and then you read the Gospel of John, and then you read the the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, and then read Genesis And then read Genesis again, and then read the rest of the Old Testament, and it'll go so much better for you. Uh, I don't know how many people I've talked to through the years who had a great zeal to read the Bible, and so they opened Genesis 1, they blew through Genesis, great book of beginnings, great family stories. Then they hit Exodus, and they got into Moses and the plagues, and it was interesting, and then the law was given, and they kind of started like, whoa, this tabernacle stuff is really weird. Like, i got to measure this, and then they're going to put these things, and i got to do a curtain of badger skin? What's that all about? And then they hit the wall in Leviticus. They're like, what is leprosy in a wall? It's mold. Leprosy in people, dietary restrictions, temple regulations. What you're supposed to do, well, we won't even go there, but there's all these regulations and you're like, what am I supposed to do about this? Please do this for yourself. If you've never really gotten into the Bible before, you definitely should. It will change your life, but start in the New Testament. It'll be a much better path to take. Now, I don't know the story of every person here today. Maybe you came in this morning not really knowing if the Bible is God's word. Right? Maybe you thought the Bible is just another religious book. It's not that special. Maybe your college professor made fun of it. Maybe you read something on the internet about it. I'm sure that was true. Could I tell you how you could test it for yourself? Do this. Right now in your heart, would you say this? God, there's some things I'm not sure about when it comes to inspiration. I don't really know how it works, but I'm willing, to try, I'm willing to try it out. And if these words are really breathed out by you, God, would you reveal that to me as I read them? And then you do your part, follow through, start this week in the book of John, even if you do one chapter a day, it'll take you three weeks to read it. Then read it again, and then again, and then read the New Testament. And if you're willing to take that challenge, I guarantee you that God is going to give you the answer you seek. Now, if you're not willing to take that challenge, what does that say about you? Let's think about it just for a minute. Maybe you have a preconceived bias against God or against the Bible maybe you don't want it to be true because that would somehow affect your current worldview. And if that's the case, I hope this message will help you own up to your own bias against your creator. Here's the real question. What do you have against God? What is it about your life that you think is God's fault? What did God allegedly do to make your life more difficult. Those are deep thoughts and they're probably attached to deep wounds and could I tell you this, every atheist on planet earth in his or her heart does believe in God. They're just mad at God for some reason. And it may seem really legit. There may have been something that happened in their family. There may have been something that happened to them as a kid. They may look at suffering and pain and say how in the world could a God allow this and there are all these big questions and I'll tell you this God loves you so much that he breathed out his words for you to read and he sent his only son Jesus to die on a wooden cross to give you salvation and if you would open your heart to truth, you'll be shocked at how much he loves you. The inspiration of the scriptures, it may seem like this high church, book learning, doctrinal, got to go to a library and look it up thing. You know what it's really about? God wanted to say something to you. That's how simple it is. And here's what so alarms me about American Christianity. We have more Bibles and more books about the Bible than we've ever had. And yet, we lag far, far behind the love for the scriptures that our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world have. We have so many people that have seven, eight, nine Bibles at their house. They got two or three apps on each tablet or phone. And yet they never get into the Word of God to see what God has to say. And over in China, there are entire churches that have four pages of Scripture. That's all they have. And they trade with another church once a month so that they can have a different part. And they weep on the pages. You look up some videos of Chinese believers who get to take the Lord's Supper for the first time, who get to look at parts of the Scripture for the first time, and it will change your life. They so much love what God has given, but we just put it on the shelf until next Sunday. Or in modern times, we may just leave it on the shelf because we got a phone and we can look it up at church. And I'm not... Trying to demean you. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I love you and God loves you. But why in the world would we not take advantage of God's word? To whom much is given, much will be required. And American churches have been given much. American Christians have been given much. American Christian teens have been given much. And maybe it's time to get real before God and say, God, you love the real me. You redeem the real me. And I'm going to allow your word to change my life so that I can be the instrument you've made me to be. And so that you can breathe through me to change the people around me with the influence you've given me. Let's bow together.